Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everyone. This is England is Burning for September the 20th, 2021. I just remembered it's my dad's birthday. Happy birthday, dad. How are you? All right. So uh, I have Mark with me from the Manchester United Women's Supporters Club. And I know, y'all, it is an international break and there is no game for us to talk about from from this weekend. But a lot of the folks out there, subscribers and so forth to the podcast and to the channel have sent me Q&A questions for Mark and myself related to Manchester United Women. And so we're here to, because we have a little bit of a break, we're here to talk about that uh, and answer some of those questions that y'all have, have brought in. And, and I get a lot of questions, but I've kind of compiled them into sort of an aggregate uh, falling into different categories. So welcome back, Mark. Thank you for joining me on today. Hey, no problem, Keith. Thanks for having me back. Offline, you were telling me that you were you're having a beautiful day in Manchester. Sun's out. Sun's <laughs> so. out. But we know it's, it's going to start getting colder soon. Yeah. Autumn's going to be in before we know it. So. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So so why don't we get to it with um, yeah. a lot of questions and so forth here. So the first one I've got from from our subscribers, Mark, is is this. The first question is, is that uh, there were many United Women fans who, after the very first match of the season, wanted to go ahead and build a statue for uh, the new manager in the first, after the game one. Um, was this like uh, hyperbolic or diluted, or is there a reason for true hope with this new manager, Mr. Skinner? Um, I, I think it's far too early to tell how good he can be because he's played two games and we've won both. Um, Casey, she set one heck of a legacy. She's she mm-hmm. she was she was you know she won a lot of her games. I think the difference around the the squad right now is that, and you and I have talked about it the last couple of weeks. From what the back end of last season, where a majority of the squad seemed to be very unhappy, including Casey herself, for, for whatever reasons. Now that's kind of all been turned upside down, and now the squads happy and there's a lot more there's a lot I think the team have actually bonded even closer than than possible um is is it too early for a statue yeah I think it is I think you know (laughs) let's see what happens on Sunday first and then we can start talking maybe after that but um I think it's I think right now the 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 squad is as good as and happy as I've seen it for a long time um, so, but I think that's all down to Mark. I think the way he's coming, um, and what he's done, uh, he said in an interview, uh, I want to get to know the people first, then the players of the players. And I think that's the complete, I think in many people have seen that the opposite of what Casey did. She got to know the players mm-hmm. as players first, not people. Um, mm-hmm. so, so yeah, I think a lot of it's down to Mark where we are. And as far as the statue goes, as I said, um, Let's see what happens on Sunday, and then we can talk. Yeah, I think the whole statue thing was definitely hyperbolic, yeah, but, you know. But but I mean, I, a lot of folks were over the moon, and I think it had a lot to do. To really answer the question myself, a lot to do with sort of the energy, you know, just having new energy on the team, and you saw how the team has played the first few games of the season, and, and when there's a lot more, there's a lot more energy, and a lot more enthusiasm and excitement amongst yeah. the players. The players seem to be having a little bit more fun out there, um, and he's certainly kind of in it, kind of excited. Um, you know, kind of brings a lot of excitement. I think it's a really good point that you talk about him wanting him making the quote about 
our statement about wanting to get the know the people. And I think that's very important from a management perspective. As a manager myself and a supervisor of, of people, uh, I really do want to get to know them as people um, myself because, you know, I, I, because I learn a lot about them as people and what they are as people drives them to be the professionals they are. And that's true in any profession. So that that's kind of, that's important too, but uh, we'll see, um, you know, obviously it's, it, it, I think it's way too early to tell and there's some, there's definitely a long road ahead, but things just started out very well, obviously. Yeah. And, and I think going back on your point about people, some, not everyone is going to react the same as everyone else. Absolutely. Some people might need, some might want to need the arms around them, you know, to say you do it, you know, to build up the, the, to encourage them a bit more. Some might need the distance. Um, but yeah, it, we've had a great start. Two out of two. Mm-hmm. Tough game Sunday. Mm-hmm. And then, Absolutely. then we'll go from there. We'll take, I think, taking a game at a time now. Don't, don't look ahead. Absolutely. Yeah. So the second question I have is, and I, we've, we, we've touched on it in, in previous shows, but it, it keeps cropping back up again, but is the issue of in the first two matches of the season, uh, lines, persons, calls, referee calls, and things like that played a rather pivotal at part in yeah. both United matches, particularly around, you know, there was one match where it looked like there could have been a goal and it might have been, but there was no goal line technology. And the next match, there was a situation where it was actually ruled a goal uh, that would buy the lines person and so forth. So the question really is, and is, is it time for the WSL to bring in goal line technology, bring in VAR, or really is the situation around the quality of the referees and lines people? Um, I think it's a bit of both. I'm, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. going to be honest with you. Um, one of the major issues with the ground, let's start with the, the goal line technology bit, is that a lot of the grounds aren't owned by the clubs. So United don't own Lee Sports Village. Um, so Lee also holds uh, rugby. So the goalposts aren't permanent. So they have to take the goalposts down. And so, so mm. there's, that, there's that end of... So, so there's that part of it. Boreham Wood, again, it, it is a proper football ground because Boreham Wood have a team that play in the... In the con- I think they play in the conference. Kings Meadow is owned by Chelsea. Obviously, City own the academy. Now, this season, a lot of the teams are playing their games at the men's ground. So Birmingham are playing at St. Andrews. Leicester are playing at the King Power. And um, I think Brighton are playing at the, some, of, some of their games at the Amex. I could be wrong on that, on that part. So until all the grounds are owned by the clubs, I think we're going to be stuck in this, this situation of goal line technology isn't going to happen. VAR is is a million miles away down the line, if in my opinion. Mm-hmm. As for the referees, the refereeing standard is poor. It, it completely is. It is really. It is poor. There, there's no doubt about that. And I think the refereeing standard must improve because they are making mistakes. Some silly. Some blatantly don't know what they're doing. So the one example I will always use is in 2020, just we were playing Reading in a game. 
the referee was having, well, I'm not going to use the language I would use at a game. Let's say she was having a stinker. Reading got a penalty from for a handball. Mm-hmm. Now, on on the replay that we could watch, because it was on the FA player, the ball had hit Katie Zellum's head. Not her mm-hmm. hand, her head. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the referee deemed it a penalty. Now, there's a refereeing standard there that you have to look at. If a referee doesn't know that, a hand from the head, <laughs> I mean, you've got to ask why she's a referee. Yeah. Yeah. So, but referees in, in the WSL, they're not what I would class as a foul, because obviously in the men's game, the men's games, they'll get, be given a foul. In the women's game, they don't really card people, it's very rare that they card people, mm-hmm. and it's very rare that players get sent off. Right. So I don't know I, I don't know why it is that. A foul is a foul in any form of football. If you foul, uh, mm-hmm. you make a foul. If it's a yellow card, it's a yellow card. There's no getting around it. And I think, ultimately, all of that needs to be sorted out. The referees need to be sorted out. The, the, ref, the referees need to... They need, they need help because a referee, it's a lonely job, and mm-hmm. the referee gets the brunt of my anger, mm-hmm. and the fa- and everyone else's anger, and the players' right. anger. Right. But if they can't do their job properly because they haven't been trained properly, you have to look at who does it. So, you, mm-hmm. so maybe it's the, the the PGMOL, maybe it's the FA. But this is a bigger picture within the women's game. The women's game is. As we mentioned last week, it's you know they've got a brand new TV deal that hopefully is going to push it forward. But they need the games to be pushed forward and bring in the likes of VAR, um, mm-hmm. goal line technology, better refereeing. One of the ideas that I've always mentioned, and it's something that I've talked about, is that on a men's international break, of which there is many, in the same, why don't they for for a game? get mm-hmm. a Mike Dean, a Martin Atkinson mm-hmm. to referee the women's game and let the referees be in a stand to watch how they referee it. It's, it sounds simple. It probably mm-hmm. isn't as simple as that. Mm-hmm. But the referees here, the standard of referees in the women's game needs to be improved. And the only way it can be improved is if they get the proper training. And where they get, and most of them, are not, they're not full-time. So they work Monday to Friday. And then the referee Saturday, Sunday. So when yeah. will they get the time to train? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's all about. I mean, going going back to management again. I mean, I, I am a big proponent of three things. You know, as far as managing people are concerned, one of them is you got to hire the right people. So they got to hire the right people to be referees, lines people, etc. So there's that. Then there's secondly. There is the training part. If you don't train people to do the job properly, then they're not going to do the job properly. I don't care how smart they are. They're not. So there's that piece of it. And then third is the supervision. And the supervision is, you know, how are referee in this context, how are referees and lines people supervised? How are they graded, assessed, uh, evaluated for what they do? Um, so all of those need to be absolutely improved. And if you don't put the time into any all those three areas, then there's going to be some rather significant difficulty. And it's kind of scary because 
of what you mentioned earlier, which I thought was a really brilliant point, which is the is the round the fouling. The, you know, I mean, we talk we talk about VAR and goal line technology all day long, but but there's also the issue of the the rules and the rules around you know physicality and what's a tackle, what's a good tackle, what's a bad tackle, you know what's late, what's otherwise. And I've seen so many situations where there were, and I've saw it, and we've seen it already in the WSL in the first two weeks, where there were many calls that were just not made, not bat, not even called, not even carded when they should have. Uh, all over the place, which result in for tackles and things like that, which in a few cases, I think maybe even resulted in injuries being occurring. I also remember watching the one of the legs of the in the women's champions league between PSG and Barcelona, that game just completely devolved and went out of control in the first leg in Paris, mainly because the referees weren't calling any fouls. And so it just got even more degraded and chippy and physical and so forth. And I will swear to you that people should have been given yellows and reds in that match. And it didn't happen until the very, 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 very end. Um, And that, you know, and I was really, I got very concerned that someone was going to get injured in that match. And, and so we're also talking about not just, you know, whether or not a goal, it's a goal or not, whether or not it's a handball or a penalty or not, we're talking about the safety of the players, which has been a theme you know, that's been played out in women's football for, for years. And we're in, we're in that, we're in that. And it's, so that's why the refereeing is so important. So I, I think the answer to the question, I guess, I think from what you're saying is that the, the quality of the refereeing, the quality of the lines people has to be better overall. Yeah. And then we got to get that sorted first. And then we can look at whether or not we can use VAR and goal line technology correctly. Yeah. <laughs> Correct, but you know, you look at yesterday's game, United versus West Ham. Mm-hmm. For the, for the yeah, we should have had two penalties. Yes, yeah, at least two. Mm-hmm. At least two. Now the referee was in a decent position. Now, yeah, if he couldn't see it, VAR should have done. Now VAR looked at both of them, and and this is the this is the thing. It goes down to interpretation. But a foul is a foul. If you can't call them what you know is a foul, then what's the point of having all this technology? Because for me, a foul is a foul. You can't change the rules. And I think the refereeing standard, be it from the men's game down to the women's and all the way through the pyramid, you need to have accountability. And you need to say, yeah, we made there was a mistake made. We'll hold our hands up and we'll change it. But with the women's game, for the two, you know, the Reading game, did the ball cross the line? The TV angle wasn't great. You'll never tell. The Leicester, what well, did it cross the line? You'll never tell. There's no accountability there. The referee, you know, the referee looks at the lines person. The lines person looks at the referee and they're all going, uh, oh, goal, no goal. And they're right. making it up as they go. And, and, that <laughs> right. has to, and that has to change. Yes. Yeah, they, yeah, they can't do that. It's just not going to work. Can't make it up as you go. No, and and and, and it's, the thing is, when you go on Twitter after a game, if, after something like that, you will get that they're making it up as they go along, which mm-hmm. irates the fans. Now, did Reading deserve a goal? Was it a goal? Look, you've seen the replay. It clearly crossed the line. It was yes. a goal. Mm-hmm. But yeah. the Reading fans have every right to be upset about it. The Leicester mm-hmm. goal the more you see it back, you're now going, hey, maybe it wasn't a goal. Mm-hmm. So that's irate, you know, that's irritating the United fans. 
But that this season, unfortunately, those calls are going to be made all the time. And we're just, as fans, we're just going to have to sit there and go, yeah, we're going to take it. Until the, the FA or the PGMOL do something about the refereeing standards, then we're going to be talking about this subject for, for a while. It's harsh, but, you know, that's the way it is. So the, the next question goes to uh, actual some actual players on the pitch. So yeah. uh, Ella Toon has been played yeah. as kind of a false nine in, yeah. in the new setup, tactical setup that Mark has, has in place. Uh, and she's done extremely well. Uh, do you expect that we will continue to see Ella Toon in that false nine position? Or do you think that there might be some changes. Um, so for Sunday, we were having this conversation on the way back from Leicester on the couch. And we were talking about this exact thing. We were talking about what would happen on Sunday. So there is a part of me that, that I think I expect him to start her as a false number nine. I do expect it. I think while... Um, Lessie is getting her fit, uh, her match fitness back. I don't think she'll start. I'd be, I wouldn't be, but I wouldn't be surprised if he started Martha Thomas either. Mm. Do I see Tooney playing there for the entire season? Look, right now, Tooney is is our is our best player we've got right now. She's she's come back from the Olympics. And she's kind of picked up where she left off at the back end of last season. Do I see her playing there all season? I, I honestly know. I think she'll be dropped back to bring in the likes of Lessie when she's fit. But for Sunday, I can see her starting there. Uh, uh, I, I, that's where I think she'll start on Sunday. I think she'll start as that false number nine because it's a, it's an impossible position to play against because it does a defender marker, does a midfielder come and get her because she plays deep. It, I'll be, I, I think right now it, she has to play and wherever she plays predominantly, I think she'll do well. Um, Ona Battle is one of the best fullbacks in the WSL. Yeah. Um, her statistics, both in terms of both offensive and defense, uh, speak for themselves to speak of a little bit of specific, some stats related to her. Uh, her in this is per 90 minutes uh, and it's her can, being compared to other fullbacks in the league. She's in the 81st percentile of pressures, the 92nd percentile in numbers of tackles, 84th percentile in the number of blocks. So she's one of the top defensive fullbacks in the league, but on offense in per 90 minutes in comparison to other fullbacks in the league, she's in the 89th percent uh, percentile of passes attempted, the 81st in completed passes percentage, 97th in both progressive passes and carries per 90 minutes in comparison to other fullbacks. Do you see uh, what else can she do? Have we seen the best of her or is there a more to come. More to come. She's still what do young. You, yeah, um, what do you see? I I think she's going to be adding... She scored her first goal a couple of weeks ago. Uh, we mentioned it, we joked about it in at last season. At points last season, she was our furthest player forward. 
She was attacking, defending, playing in midfield. She was doing everything. I think um, one of the things that I've I've mentioned on here is um, that Mark Skinner likes to play out from the back. And um, we've got two, I, I, I think we've got two great fullbacks who like the ball at the feet, who don't feel the pressure, who can run with the ball. Um, Honor can only get better. She she's she can't go, back, she won't go backwards. She'll get better. But I think what will help her in the future is, and, and right now we're talking about where United currently are, not where United could be in five years or ten years. Right now she's got some good players around her. What will help her improve, like most players, is are better players. So to build up to to the likes of, you know, for Champions League to get the better quality of player in. Right now, she's got some great players next to her who have great quality. To take her to the next stage, you need the better players to take her along with them. And I, we saw that in our first season as a, as a team. Alex Greenwood, mm-hmm. who was our be- who left back, best player by a mile. Mm-hmm. Every other player lifted their performance, in my opinion, to get up to where Alex was in terms of of reading the game, in terms of of being able to play at that level, and with honour, that's where she needs to get next. She needs the better players around her, be it at United, be it with, with the Spanish national team, to take her to the next level. Because I, I honestly, I can see her being one of the best fullbacks in the world. And I mean, the skies, I mean, I really do think the sky is the limit. Do you foresee her potentially being played in different positions because of her offensive capabilities, like a defensive yeah. midfielder role or even a wing wing role? Or I can see it being played more as a winger. Yeah. Or, or, or a, um, um, a wing back, if you mm-hmm. ever go to play at a three. Um, yeah. I think she, I, I, I think she's, I think she's, um, she's physically, She's capable of playing those roles. Um, mm-hmm. Last season, you know, we talked about it on, on the show when Leah was playing, uh, not Leah, when Tobin was playing on the left, we had to play Leah Galton as as um, a left back. And Honor moved over to the right. The one thing about Honor is that she can play on both sides. And um, that's great to have a fullback that can go from on right and left. Um so I, I think her role going forward, I can see her being a, a bit, a, probably a wing back, probably mm-hmm. more than a defensive fullback. Okay. I, I would agree. I mean, uh, and she's putting it together. And, and yeah, I mean, a, a younger player needs more experienced players around them to, you know, to get better. Uh, and, you know, hopefully at some point, Hopefully she'll stay at United and and be able to get that there instead of going somewhere else and getting yeah. it somewhere else, right? Yeah. Um. So, um. So with that being said, let's let's uh, probably the last. This will be the last question for the time we have, and it's about what's coming up on Sunday. You have yeah. Chelsea at home um, yeah. on Sunday. The question is, what will need to happen for United to pull the upset of Chelsea on Sunday? 
Uh, what would need to happen? I, I suppose you know most people go. All the stars will need to align, and everything <laughs> everything will need to be in in uh, in alignment. But we know you, Mark. You're not going to say anything about stars uh, aligning no, or anything about I mean, stats either. Uh, no. <laughs> uh, what ne- what needs to happen is Chelsea need to have an off day. It United mm-hmm. Chelsea need to have an off day. United need to be on it from minute one. Um, we mentioned it last week. If you were ever wanting to play Chelsea, now is the time to do it. They've had a They've only played two games. They've lost one, one, one. We've won two. It's too, you know, you can't look at the table right now. It's far too early. You, um, but, you know, as a United fan, I, I want us to go at Chelsea. But also, there's a part of me that goes, get a point, take a draw, just just park the bus. Don't do that. But I don't think that's going to happen. I actually, I'm, I'm actually looking forward to the game. I think it's going to be a very interesting battle between Emma Hayes, who is, you know, she's so well liked in the in the women's game. She's she, you know, there's a lot of people out there who are who are a fan. She's got, you know, between her and and City, she's got they've got great squads. I think Chelsea's probably just pips City's, mm-hmm. um, and you know, let's not also forget they've got some great, great, great players, Chelsea. Um, and I just hope they have an off day. That you know, that's as a United fan, that's all I can ask for is is for them to have an off day, and United mm-hmm. just to be on it. Do I think United are going to win? Because I know where this is where you're going to go with this, Keith. Do I think United are going to win? I'm going to go. Yeah, I do. I think United can win mm-hmm. on Sunday. Do I think it will be a high scoring game? Nope. I think Chelsea will score. I think we all edge it mm-hmm. maybe two one. But, you know, that'll come back and bite me. I'm I'm absolutely sure of it. <laughs> well, I mean, we do know that we do know a couple of things about Chelsea that that is important to remember. Um, it is important, yes, to remember that they are probably they are the best team in the WSL. I mean, they 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 weren't Champions League runners up for nothing. They haven't they did they won the league though it was very close and they have the deepest the deepest squad in the league by far at this point as we sit today because city's got all these injury issues. Arsenal is putting it together. Uh, I remember I asked Rob Prattley from the CFCW social that if in the last show with Chelsea in regards to Chelsea, if, if Chelsea had returned to form in their last match and he took a little, I think he took a little bit of events to that and he said, well, they never were out of form. <laughs> so I'm like, Okay, good point then. But the point being, though, is is that we know that what we do know is that Chelsea does have a couple of weaknesses in place. We know on the defensive back line, there's a weak there's a weakness there in terms of their fullbacks. We know that they can be they are vulnerable to speed on the outside. Yeah. Um, and so forth. So you've got players on the United side, and and the, and that's where I think someone like Ella Toon being played either at a wing or in a false nine position comes into play. In you know because she's got pace, ability, technical skill, so forth. So does Ona, for example. Ona's got pace, technical skill, offensively and defensively, and so forth. So those those two become, I think, really key players. Um, and so, and, you know, Emma is trying out a three in the back system. She's trying a three, four, three. Um, and the jury is out on that at this point because, it, you know, they're just, 
they're tr trying the new system, which then, as we said last week, makes Chelsea uh, a team that you probably want to play them now instead of playing them in December. Um, you know, when they really start kind of gearing everything, putting everything together. Um, no, I don't expect United to win. Can they win? Yeah, I do. I do. You know that they can win. I think there is a there is a road to them winning, but. Um, I don't believe in stars aligning. I just believe that, you know, I think, but I think you're right. I think United need to play at their best and Chelsea needs to kind of be off slightly um, and so forth. But I don't think the margin is as close as, as far away as people think it is. Um, I just don't actually. So <laughs> um, with that said, I think an interesting thing for, for me on, on Sunday, you know, kind of know one o'clock, uh, half 12, I don't know half eleven when the team's announced. Where what's what the what the the the, the thinking is now? One of the, the things that we've not I've, we've not ever talked about since we've come back is Haley Ladd's been nowhere near the starting eleven. Haley Ladd, I think Haley Ladd will start this weekend as that defensive midfielder to break up. You know because you know the likes of Frank Kirby's probably going to start. Beth England probably might start. Then you've mm -hmm. got Neil Harder. You've got three world-class players right there, and that's just your front three. Then, you, like you said, you've got your midfield. So I think I think this game is going to be... I think the majority of this game will be played within the midfield, and I think that's going to be the important uh, part of the game to watch will be the midfield. I think the defensive side of it will take care of itself from our point of view and from Chelsea's point of view. But I think it'll be very interesting in the middle of the park. What happens there? Does Haley Ladd start? I, I kind of think for me in this game is the kind of game which calls for a Haley Ladd. So that means you're going to have to either drop a Jackie, a Katie Zellum, or a, a Lucy Stan to bring in um, a Haley Ladd. But you make a, you know, the point about the width and going down the sides, you know, Hannah Blundell, ex Chelsea, has a point to prove to her ex employers, but she's got pace, she's got a bit of speed. Honour. We, you know, we talk about honour all the time. She's got pace, she's got speed. You've got Kirsty Hansen, she's got pace, she's got speed, she's got power. You've got Leah, power, pace, speed. So you, you make some, you make the, the points that you've made about the, the going down the outside, I think are, 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 are absolutely right. And I think United, on that part of the game, we edge it over Chelsea, over the, on those four players. And then it, it, the rest of it, like I said, the middle of the park, I think we'll take care of itself. And I think with a Haley lad in there to break up Chelsea, Chelsea, I think that's mm -hmm. where we might edge Yeah. It. Yeah. And, you, you know, the, yeah, I mean, that's, I think you just laid out the roadmap, you know, mm -hmm. speed, pace, power, and, you know, technical skill, um, you know, um, you know, Pernell Harder has not, you know, has not reached her full level of potential for the, for Chelsea yet. I hope, you know, for United's sake, I hope it's not, not on Sunday. Um, but, you know, so there's just so many different pieces in, in play there, but I mean, it's going to be a very, it's one of those matches early in the season where you start kind of get a, you kind of get a report card. You kind of get a like, okay, you know, this is where we're at, you know, yeah. um, and you, you look at the result and see like, okay, how do we, how do we compare um, yeah. and so forth? So, and, and, and Sunday will be an interesting day in the WSL because we mm -hmm. are the early kickoff and then the right. later kickoff, you got Arsenal City. So right. something's going to give, give that day. The, the Peniel Harder bit, I absolutely agree with you. I hope she doesn't, but she is a United fan deep down. She, she, she's, <laughs> 
She is a United fan. She's admitted she's right. a United fan. So for 90 minutes on Sunday, I hope she has an off day. Right. And then against City and everyone else, you can go and yeah, right. do her thing. Do whatever she needs to do. Um, but for 90 minutes on Sunday, just, you know, have an off day. Yeah. So, um, yeah, because, I mean, United is going to have their hands full with both, uh, you know, Fran Kirby and Sam Kerr running down yeah, up I mean, the middle or where, you know. I mean, but Chelsea, the thing that is, though, is that the thing that, that United – the thing, though, that United can think about, though, is that is that you know what to expect from Chelsea. Yeah. I mean, it's not going to be a surprise what Chelsea's going to try to do. No. I mean, it, you know, it, it's it, it shouldn't be a shock, but it'll be very. It's going to be a very very interesting game. It's going to be a fun watch for for all the for fans and for neutrals alike, um, and so forth. So, so Mark, that kind of um, that that covers it for the the the. Uh, we didn't get to all the questions, but for the sake of time, we gotta we gotta close it out, um, and so forth. We'll definitely have other question answer sessions and other break times to uh, to break things down. But Mark, thank you so much for answering our no subscriber problem. questions today. No problem. Uh, excellent, excellent, um, and so forth. So for today, that is it for England is running for Monday, the 20th of September. Again, happy birthday, Dad. Uh, and we will be back tomorrow. We will have Josh on to do question and answer about Arsenal. And then we will do a question and answer about Manchester City with Kate, uh, with the supporters group with them. Uh, but that is all coming up tomorrow. So check that out when it comes. Please smash a like. Please subscribe. Please share uh, the podcast and the videos with your friends. And out there, we have completely blown totally blown our advertising budget totally we've blown it we're 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 in so negative numbers it's not even funny um so you know so i need y'all's help to get to keep this thing growing so so but take care out there please again smash a like subscribe share um and so forth and we will see you all coming up tomorrow